When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you are listening to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we are reviewing Cruella, Cruella de Vil, plus all the latest movie and trailer news, so let's get into it. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies and Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune, apparently, as well. (laughs) Uh, And this week, we are going to chat all about Cruella, aren't we? Yep. And if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Am I right? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Cruella is the origin story of Disney's dog-napping villain, Cruella de Vil. It follows aspiring young fashion designer, Estella, who runs wild in 1970s London with her petty criminal friends until a chance encounter makes her realise she could be destined for terrible greatness. Terrible greatness indeed. So the film is directed by our very own Australian director, Craig Gillespie, who has also directed the fantastic I, Tonya, a couple of years ago, and is directing the up-and-coming Pam and Tommy miniseries, which is making all sorts of noise uh, within the beers at the moment, isn't it? Mm, so he's no stranger to taking on complicated characters, is he? Definitely not. The screenplay is by Dana Fox and Tony McNamara from a story by Aline Brosh McKenna, Kelly Marcel and Steve Zissis. Now let's round off the cast here, mm. starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson. Emma. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Emma show. Uh, Yeah, Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser as well. Let's jump straight into the story, Tim. So Cruella represents the new wave challenging the establishment. That's how they're framing this story, isn't it? I think it's an organic Mm. way to unfold this story and it fits perfectly into the rebellion of the 1970s in which this film is set. Yes, definitely. It's really great to see them explore this sort of narrative and these characters and what they have to endure and deal with. And then within this incredible backdrop 
of 1970s London. It's just the perfect marriage, isn't it? Yep. And Cruella is going head to head with this really famous fashion designer played by Emma Thompson, played to perfection by Emma Thompson, might I add, who is ruthless and brilliant. Yes, ruthless, cunning, brilliant, and I'll back you up there to absolute perfection. I can't wait to unpack the performances later on. But what I'd like to call out here, there really is a lot in this film, Mm. isn't it? There's a lot in terms of its runtime. It's two hours, 15 minutes, and it takes you to a lot of places. The film is heavy on narration, so we're kind of introduced to the story and the narrative of Emma Stone playing Estella or Cruella. Um, she keeps everything ticking along and setting up the context. And I think it really worked. How did you feel about um, the significant use of narration uh, to tell the story? I was going to say the monologuing got a little bit much for me. Mm-hmm. Cutting some of that might have helped the pacing of the movie. It did go on a little bit long. How long did you say? Two, and a- two hours, 15. Yeah. The movie could have been shorter, I think. Definitely. Yeah. It was definitely trying to pack in a lot indeed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, trim, trimming around the edges probably could have helped with the pacing, I agree. What I love about this film is it, it is a Disney film, but it toes the line with darkness quite well, doesn't it? This is a darker movie and you couldn't address Cruella, a character like Cruella, without heading into that darker territory. And what's cool is that Disney aren't quite so afraid of tarnishing their squeaky clean image anymore, are they? They're accepting that there can be different pockets for different audiences within their film wheelhouse. Definitely. I would would totally agree with you there. I think this is probably Disney's most ambitious film uh, since they started doing these live action remakes first with Cinderella about six years ago. Mm. And there is still all those things that you know and love about a Disney film or Disney project. You've got big camp characters, you've got lots of humour, you have everything on this fantastical scale Uh, and, of course, throw in some animals getting up to mischief just to kind of add to that humour and tone of a Disney film but certainly incredibly ambitious and goes to very dark places, I guess. Speaking of the characters, the thing that bothers me about Disney's live-action remakes, especially when it comes to the villain origin stories, is that they can be too sympathetic. And I'm pointing out Maleficent in particular. Mm -hmm. We love to hate these villains because they are so devilish and Cruella is one of the worst. I mean, who wants them to be just misunderstood? You want layers to the character, but Cruella goes from a homicidal puppy killer to a cheeky street urchin in this. How did you feel about that that sort of switch? Yeah, no, I think the switch was good. I guess that's why I'm kind of giving this headline of that this is so ambitious mm. because it's trying to, in a way, rewrite your preconceived notions or perception of the character of Cruella. And I think that the platform of a live-action remake is where you can make those creative choices and where your creative license can run amok And I think running amok is something that really encapsulates this film as well. And I love that they went to all this effort to try and make her incredibly complex. Mm. Um, I do, though, however, and this obviously this is why we're here, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And I did have a few things to discuss with you, Mm. I guess, about... The, the story itself and how effective it was in achieving that. Mm. The ambition was there, but how effective was it? Now, I might ask you, like, what did you, what did you think? How effective do you think they were in delivering this story and this new insight into Cruella? 
Well, I actually think it was incredibly effective. You mentioned the word rewrite before, and I don't think that's what they've done here. They do take those kind of liberties with other live action films. But I think in this case, you can clearly join the dots between where she starts to where she ends up. And while you might not fully see it or it might not be fully realised, which was a bit of a gripe that I had, Mm. you can see it evolving. Yes, you can see it evolving now. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go to a few places here and I'm keen mm. to hear what you think because there's so much good about this movie and we'll absolutely touch on all of those. But I actually think in terms of what it was trying to achieve from the story, it wasn't mm. particularly effective. So, How so? And, and it's, a bit, it's a bit challenging because there's a lot in here that we have to dance and tiptoe around because we, there's, a lot, there's a lot of secrets, mm. there's a lot of plot twists and stuff and this is a non-spoiler review so we need to respect that for our listeners, for you guys. Mm. But I think the opening lacked insight or proof and clarity that Estella was actually into fashion and had unique abilities in that space. It wasn't clear to me. I felt like it was more assumed. Yeah. Like, sure, she had a cool hairdo, which I don't recall was ever explained. It was just there. No, that's very true. That is very true. Mm. It was never sort of touched on. Yeah, and she wore some funky jackets to school as a kid. Good on you. I wish I had that confidence, Mm. but it was never really established that she loved pushing fashion boundaries. She was just a boundary pusher, I suppose. Mm. And another element, she also kept being called or called herself a genius, like between her and her mother at the beginning, (laughs) which to me felt weird because there was no proof of that at all. Uh, there was no indication that she was a genius. We we didn't see her do anything particularly special, no disrespect, that would make you think that she was. All she did was stand up for herself and she certainly demonstrated some grit as a young kid, which I loved, but that doesn't make you a genius. How, what, how do you feel about that? There's some interesting points that you're making there, but I think the point of this film was to bring depth to the character And I think Mm. we can say without revealing too much that she's sort of emulating this woman that she really hates. And, you know, Freud would have a field day with that character for sure. But it gives depth to a one-dimensional cartoon character that we haven't known much about previously. We haven't really known where she's from or had that backstory. So I was quite happy with the backstory, to be honest. Okay. All right. No, that's fine. I disagree with you, Tim. That's why I have been told in the last 24 hours since we've seen this movie and here recording this episode mm. that I am overthinking it. Right. Okay. <laughs> it is a Disney movie. Yeah, I know. It's something that I that I do. But I think why I'm coming at it with this scrutiny or critical lens is because, like, I kind of cared. I kind of cared. Like, I was so impressed with what they were trying to do. Um, and I just, yeah, I just kind of felt like it was, didn't quite get there at certain points, but like, well, I guess my biggest gripe, if there was any, is that they seem to hedge their bets on whether she's maniacal or misguided and didn't Mm -hmm. quite commit to either, which is the thing that happens with these villain prequel stories. As I said, with Mm -hmm. Maleficent, she ends up being like just misunderstood and not really evil at all you know but you just sometimes you just want them to be evil for the sake of being evil yeah definitely and look that's the challenge they had on hand they had like a scale to balance or tip one way or the other in in how to best explore this prequel world and establishing Corella as a character and you have this challenge of not making her sympathetic but sympathetic enough that 
people identify with her. If you hate a character all the way through the movie, then it just doesn't work, does it? Yeah, definitely. So there's one other thing I just want to throw in there about setting up the context of mainly who Estella was. And there's this thing that happens early on in the film that's kind of just brushed on. It's another assumption or something that's not particularly established, but it's crucial in where the story goes Mm -hmm. and following her journey. And it's the whole Estella versus Cruella thing when she was a kid and what that meant or how it came about. And when she returns as an adult to the persona of Cruella, it left me a bit confused about the whole character trait of hers because it was so underdeveloped. Like she doesn't have split personality disorder. It was like an attitude that she kind of brought to the surface again later on in life. And I thought it just didn't quite work for me. How do you feel about that? I think what it was implying is that Cruella was always there and she was having to squash her down and deny her. And, you know, this is who she really is is but her mother Mm. and society were saying tone it down be normal fit in so I think it's more about her becoming who she's really meant to be rather than who she was versus someone else she becomes does that make sense yeah no I totally hear you on that so I'm wondering then was I too passive a viewer and missed that context or subtext or wasn't it effectively communicated to the audience so that's kind of what I'm putting out to you as a listener at home like i I'd be really curious to find out if you thought it worked and was clear to you because like, I totally hear you Lee and how you, what you took away from that whole thing in the film. The thing is you do have to make some leaps of logic in some parts of this movie, like without giving too much away, how a character might figure out a major plot point is never really explained. She just somehow knows it, but it's Disney. This is another thing you have to remember is it's a, family film I guess even though it is darker it's leaning towards those darker themes and and being a little bit more adult I think this film is aimed at maybe like young adult and older teens does that make sense yeah definitely it's not a film for kids although there's plenty for them to enjoy in terms of like how colorful and loud and spectacular Mm -hmm. it is but in terms of the nuances in the story the character and how that plays out it's definitely more of a young adult adult film I agree yeah as I said this is Disney wading into this newish sort of territory now that they've taken on Fox and they have things like Deadpool which are R-rated films which they never would have done before they're Mm. now wading into this territory a little bit uncertainly just you know feeling out the waters and I think ultimately they've done a really good job with Cruella towing that line yeah no I'm with you on that in a general sense one more thing in terms of you Mm. mentioned um suspending belief right yeah. Uh, there was one thing that I was just like, oh, come on. It's It jumps 10 years. 10 years has passed since she was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then they all look like 40-year-olds. <laughs> you know, they're meant to be like <laughs> either in their very early 20s or mid-20s at the, at the oldest. And they have they just look rugged and they've seen way too no. much of the world. Okay. You're so, overthinking that, Tim. You're overthinking that one. Let that one go. Oh, okay. I'll <laughs> let that one go. Biggest can't be Jesus. Let's talk about the performances because Emma Stone slipped into Cruella so well. I totally believed her as this character. And I had hesitations when I heard the accent. I thought, oh, oh." Mm. but it's a lot more natural in the movie than it is in the trailers, I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Didn't she look like she had fun playing the role of Cruella? Yes. And the movie 
instantly becomes like 10 times more fun when she devolves into Cruella and the mannerisms come out. I think you mentioned when she's hunched over and driving like a maniac, that's very cartoonish. You see that in the cartoons where she's just like, like a crazy person on the road. And that's what I think this film delivered really, really nicely were really well thought out small moments in the film that kind of took you back to this place of nostalgia or something that seemed familiar in the physicality or how they may have filmed it or the presentation or the delivery. And that was one, you know, she's hunched over in the car and I'm like, it's just such a great mm. image. And yeah, so perfectly captured. Now I know I feel like we're just going to be jumping between Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, but I just I just want to talk about Emma Thompson for a moment yes. here because I actually think she was the star of this film. Oh, she's amazing. She's the star of every film that she's in. Oh, but they worked so well together. They complemented each other consistently. And I was just mesmerized by them both. I could not look away. Holy heck, these two women are incredible. Mm. And I, I do think Emma Thompson stole the show. However, it doesn't undermine what Emma Stone brought in the role of Cruella. Not at all. It's no. just that you have these two champion character actors yep. uh, in the same film together just kicking goals. What's interesting is Emma Thompson gives Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestley a run for her money, doesn't she, from The Devil Wears Prada. It's very like that that tiniest twitch of her eye or that raised eyebrow or that pursed lips that's spitting poison out, you know. And it's no surprise because Aileen Brosh McKenna, who co-wrote this film, actually wrote The Devil Wears Prada. So it makes sense. You know what? That is such a great little insight there because, yes, there are certain synergies between Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada and the Baroness Mm. uh, in Cruella. But it's almost like if you cartoonized Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada, you would get Emma Thompson yeah. in Cruella. Like this, oh my gosh, it's kind of like free reign here. And you mentioned like her mannerisms, they were just amazing. And I mean, I went into this film, you know, preconceived notions of a lot of things based mm. on trailers. I thought she would be a supporting character, but she's absolutely equal billing. Yep. In, in terms of screen time and impact to the story and contribution to that, uh, which I was surprised and very, very thankful for. We have to talk about the production design, the costuming. Oh. Just this film is so opulent and gorgeous and just outstanding. Everything from the hair and makeup to the sets is just perfection. Yeah, the ambition behind this project is now far more apparent having seen it. Uh, then I realised going in, it is a dazzling visual feast indeed. Mm. This film is so bold visually. And I, I left being in awe of the scale and scope from a design perspective. You know, they had so much fun with it and delivered, you know, countless looks uh, from a costume perspective. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine the preparation and process uh, that it took to deliver such a creative vision. Like I was just in awe. Me too. And that bold approach fits with the bold themes and attitudes of the characters in this film. It just all works together in this perfect synergy. Mm. It's almost like, you know how often in film there's that signature look or piece or moment visually. This film, I lost count how many made me gasp or be like, oh my God, that's the moment in this film that will take away. That's that iconic shot or look. It, It was just constant, constant. I just mm. was could not believe it. Visually, this film is unlike anything you will see. Yeah, amazing. 
And the music as well. We have to talk about the music because it's such a huge part of this film and really works to draw you into its world, doesn't it? Yeah, it's loud and always present. And don't be put off by the word loud Mm. because it's not loud in the sense that you put your fingers in your ears. It's loud because it's just... Uh, visceral. It's visceral yeah. and complements the visuals so well. Yeah, there's an amazing punk-inspired soundtrack and even an original song from Florence and the Machine, which again is a yeah. perfect fit, called Call Me Cruella. Yes, I love that. They played that in the credits, didn't they? Yeah, it was touched on throughout as well, but it's amazing. Yeah, little flavours to the theme. The music was as big a character in this film than any other element to it and it also held its own And I actually think it was one of the best things in the film. It would introduce character. It would drive the high-octane energy that they were presenting visually and support that. And Mm. it positioned you so perfectly in the 70s era, like you said, with all the punk sort of uh, theming to it. I just, yeah, absolutely loved it. This just felt like the perfect era for this film to be set. It was so organic. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, just in that era, everyone has an idea for it. It was kind of like just leveling up. It just leveled up your idea of what the 70s was. Mm. Although it did feel fantastical and otherworldly, it felt incredibly uh, tangible and familiar Mm. at the same time. Does that make sense? Grounded in reality, yeah. Yeah, grounded in its own kind of reality, which you can only achieve with the IP of an established kind of character and world and then go, you know what, I'm going to head this direction and take you Mm. for a ride and I think that's what the team delivered here so well. Do you think the connections to the 101 Dalmatians story were a little loose? Mm, I saw them as a nice little box ticking exercise and a bit of like fan service. There's not as many as I expected there to be. Yeah, but I think that's okay because they were clearly trying to do their own thing. And of course Mm. they need to weave those sorts of references and set up in this story, but it was certainly not at the mercy of doing that for th- for their film to work. Mm. Yeah. Did you want more of that as a viewer? No, I just wondered. I just had expected something different, I guess, and I was, you know, that's not a bad thing. I was pleasantly surprised with this film. Yeah. And really excited by it. And then I just went away and overthought about <laughs> the story way too much. <laughs> Can't reel me in, Lee. No. Shall we wrap up this uh, review of Cruella, Tim? Oh, yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly believed Emma Stone's incarnation of Cruella. The fabulousness of the era, the fashion, the production design and the co-stars are all stitched together to create this fun tapestry that you can forgive for being a touch too long. It has just enough edge and energy to push the expectations and you can easily connect the Dalmatian dots, if you will, between this and the cartoon Cruella de Vil we love to hate. I wish we'd seen her completely devolve into the baddie that we're more familiar with, but I'm happy with this punky prequel story that is not bad at all. I'm going to give it four popcorn kernels. There we go. All right, so complex, dazzling, funny and dark. Corella gets many, many things right, but I felt it stumbled where it counts. This movie runs a long race and does achieve an overall podium finish, but knocks over just a few hurdles along the way. Corella looks and sounds fabulous, darling. With an Academy (laughs) Award nomination for Emma Thompson, I'm calling it now. Like, it just has to happen. She will get an Oscar nod. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
a visual feast, yes, but the story was a little sloppy, leaving too many plot holes for me as an overthinking uh, viewer uh, behind and leaning a little too heavily into assumptions, which I thought was just a bit of a shame. And I don't think it worked totally convincingly in telling the story of Corella to its full potential is where I'll where I'll finish there. However, I am still going to rate Corella three and a half popcorn kernels because it was just a ride and uh, I absolutely think it's worth seeing. Well, Cruella is in cinemas now and available on Disney Plus with premiere access. Make sure you check it out. All right, Lee, let's dive straight into movie news and trailer news with a new teaser for Marvel's Eternals, giving us the first real proper look at the A-list ensemble cast, including oh, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, Richard Madden, Kamal Najani, Kit Harrington, and loads more. Mm, lots more. The superhero film is directed by Chloe Zhao and is coming to Australian cinemas on November 4. Now, Marvel boss Kevin Feige says Zhao really fought for practical locations when filming this, so it seems we can expect a lot of stunningly shot in-camera effects, you know, just like Nomadland. That's why she won the Oscar, really. This instantly looks like a visual spectacle spectacle doesn't mm. it from the little teasers that we got in this trailer like those big grand location shots yep. married up with some big heavy effects and I love that hero shot of all the characters in there you know superhero get up at the end she just knows how to frame a camera and yep. her action and I can't wait to see it come to life and I think it's really promising that maybe they're not going to rely so heavily on the special effects like they might meld them quite well well I think they will rely on them because there's only so many things you can do in camera, mm. especially when you're talking about fantastical superheroes. But I think it's going to be a really good marriage between mm. in-camera effects and, like, you know, supporting it with big special effects. One thing, though, it's said in the trailer that they've never interfered until now. What, were they busy when Thanos wiped out half the universe? Where were the Eternals then? You know, I think this <laughs> is one of the biggest challenges of them exploring new territories within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, there was a universal threat, like you said, in Thanos. Like, (laughs) what were they doing? And so they've got a lot of work in terms of establishing who these people are and what they were doing in the meantime. Like, do you recall, like, when Captain Marvel first came into the, Mm. the story, it was like, where has she been all this time? And they really needed to put a lot of work into the story, whether or not that was convincing or not. They have the same challenge here. What's going to have to happen is the villain for the Eternals is going to have to be a bigger threat than Thanos. And can they pull that off? Only time will tell and it's not too far off coming out November 4th in Australia. We got a teaser this week for a movie called Last Night in Soho, which gives us a mysterious look at Edgar Wright's new psychological thriller. The movie stars Thomas and Mackenzie as a young fashion lover who finds herself able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a wannabe jazz singer played by Anya Taylor-Joy. This looked terrifying. I loved this trailer. Yes. How many layers do there seem to be to this story visually? I want to know what's going on. I'm worried that I will leave this film not knowing what just happened. I don't know. I'm just getting a (laughs) vibe. It's going to be incredibly like, look, look inward. No, I love an Edgar Wright film. He knows what he's doing. Bring it on. He's a fantastic director. I'm really, really keen. So Last Night in Soho is coming to cinemas this October. Perfect timing for Halloween, huh? <laughs> now I'm all spooky. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> Think about Halloween in this film. Jesus. 
All right, Lee, what's the huge news between Amazon and MGM? Well, Amazon has bought MGM, Tim, for $8.45 billion US with more than 4,000 movies and 17,000 TV shows in MGM's back catalogue. This is a huge acquisition for Amazon. Mike Hopkins, the senior VP of Prime Video and Amazon Studios, said of the deal that the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of intellectual property in the deep catalogue that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. It's very exciting and provides so many opportunities for high-quality storytelling. Now, I don't know about you, but that actually rings alarm bells for me because we plan to reimagine and develop. This means we're going to get a shitload of James Bond spin-offs and like Indiana Jones prequels and God knows what else, doesn't it? Yeah, it does ring alarm bells for me as well. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't think you can convince an audience that James Bond's spin-off stories are a thing. There's been a formula that that IP has followed for decades and I'm just nervous that they're going to like dip their toe in another pool of water that is cold and stagnant and that it's just going to be a disaster. I mean, we've seen it with Star Wars, haven't we? Mm. Like you know, Disney did not get that right and they've had to pull back and hit reset and I'm just worried. I'm a bit worried. A bit worried. Don't like it. A bit scared. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just missed it. They, just, they overbid me by a couple of billion dollars, about, <laughs> you know, eight. But anyway. And it's also the scary, you know, corporations taking over the world, like the giant streaming mm. service. They're all going to just blob together like one giant, the thing or, you know, the blob and come for us all. Maybe that's the threat that the Eternals have to tackle. <laughs> the streaming services. Yeah, the streaming service blob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on that note, that's another episode of Popcorn Podcast done for this week. It sure is. We saw and reviewed Cruella, which is in cinemas now and also available on the Disney Plus platform if you access it through Premiere Access. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.